Well, welcome back to Whatever the Weather. Another episode of Whatever the Weather. Welcome back specifically, Katie Blake. Hi. How was Las Vegas? It was great. Did not win any money, but... Did you lose money? Made a lot of memories. Um, I only lost as much as I had planned on losing. I took a set amount and said, this is what I'm going to gamble with, and I did not lose any more than that. So I feel like that's a victory in itself. That is a smart thing to do. Very smart thing to do. And I didn't lose it all shopping. Like, I didn't didn't go shopping, which was a personal victory. And you only went for, like, what, like three days? Yeah, it was very short. Okay. Yeah, I've never been to Las Vegas. You haven't? Nope. Not at all. It's an experience. Did you get to see your girl again? I did. My girl, Celine. She's, her residency is Celine ending Dion. soon. Yes. So I saw her in January when we went as a big family, my family trip. And then my parents had always planned to go back in May. And when Celine announced that she was ending her residency at Caesars, my mom wanted to go. So my stepdad bought her tickets. And then one day he called me and was like, I really don't want to go see Celine Dion. Because he had already seen her one time, like a long time ago. And he was like, I don't want to go. He's like, if you can come out, you can go see Celine with your mom. And it happened Aww. to be all my days off. And I was like, okay, for sure. That's awesome. So it was good. Two times in one year. Homegirl. You're Celine spoiled. Killing it, I am. So yeah, welcome <laughs> welcome back to Whatever the Weather. I'm meteorologist Sarah Spivey. And I'm meteorologist Katie Blake. I didn't know if I, I was going to say it or This is why say. what the listeners can say, I pointed really vigorously. She did. Go, go girl. We're excited uh, to be back. We are actually going to be talking a lot about weather this time. We spent the last couple of episodes talking about ourselves and facts about us, but no, 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 no. We are going to talk about the thing that we both love, weather. Yes. And specifically <laughs> today, I'm a little intimidated by this topic because it's very important and very broad. Yes. We're going to talk about... Drum roll. Here I am. <laughs> Rock me like a hurricane. Yes. Yeah. There it is. You hurricanes. say. Thank you. Hurricanes. Hurricanes, hurricanes, hurricanes. We are going to talk about them. So... At a pretty good time. This, we're recording this toward the end of May. And hurricane season begins June 1. Yeah. And goes until... November. The end of November. By the time hurricane season is over, Katie, it's going to already be pumpkin spice season. <laughs> we'll be How well do you feel about that? pumpkin spice season. It's good. I, I don't want to say I like hurricane season, but it's it's always when forecasting can become a bit more interesting. It Maybe totally that's can. the word because yeah. we've got, you know, all of our... I don't know where I'm going with this, regular weather things to forecast, you know, temperatures or whatever. But then you always have to keep an eye on the Gulf and the Atlantic and all of that. Exactly. Because it's hot and humid here in Texas during the summertime. Mm -hmm. And it can be hecka boring. Okay. (laughs) So it's nice to have something to to keep track of. And we definitely keep our eye toward the uh, oceans, uh, the Atlantic and the Pacific for hurricane season. So let's do this. Whatever the weather, hurricanes. All right, Katie. So as you mentioned, hurricane season is June 1st to November 30th. That is a whole heck of a long time. 
That is like half the year. It is. That is essentially half the year, Mm -hmm. six months. And I can do math. Six months is half as well. (laughs) And um, so, so really there's a good portion of the year that the oceans are warm enough for hurricanes to to form. And we'll talk about hurricanes forming just in general, but first we've got to talk about tropical storms, mm-hmm. okay? So there's a difference between tropical storms and hurricanes. Tropical storms are weaker than hurricanes, but hurricanes are tropical storms. So it's kind of like, what? Like a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Right. Right? Yes. A square is a rectangle, but it's just perfectly even on Mind both sides. blowing. Yes. <laughs> so a hurricane is a tropical storm whose wind speeds are greater than 74 miles per hour. And that is a sustained wind. That is not a gust, okay? That's a sustained wind. And so let's talk about some ingredients for hurricanes that we need. Okay, we already mentioned sea surface temperature. Mm-hmm. In meteorology talk, we call that SST Sea surface temperature. Very, very, you know, cool and under the radar. (laughs) New band name. Um, So sea surface temperature has to be warmer than 26 degrees Celsius, which happens to be 79 degrees Fahrenheit for all of us Americans. So once you start to see the ocean heating up to more than, like the Gulf of Mexico, heating up to more than 80 degrees at the surface, the app, the ocean is ready to go. Mm-hmm. That is a magical number because if the ocean is cooler than that, you are not going to get tropical storm slash hurricane formation. You're just not going to get it. Another thing you need is deep moisture. So we've talked several times in our podcast about how moisture is one of the ingredients for thunderstorms. And essentially, a hurricane is one huge, ginormous thunderstorm, okay? You need the ingredient for moisture or else you're not going to get rain. You're not going to get a good condensation, all those kinds of things. Okay, what has a lot of moisture at the surface? The entire ocean. Okay? (laughs) Yes. And then finally, this one's a little trickier. You actually need, environmentally, you need light winds from Mm -hmm. the top of the troposphere all the way to the bottom of the troposphere or the surface. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that. We've talked about wind shear. You described wind shear, Katie, in one of our other episodes. But essentially, wind shear is a difference in strength or direction in the winds from the surface to the top. Mm -hmm. And if you have really high wind shear, that is essentially going to cut off the top of any storm development. Uh, And like, have you seen those uh, beer commercials where they're pouring? they'll pour beer into a glass and it bubbles up and then they just cut off the top of it. Oh, yes. Okay. That's kind of like what wind shear does. Yeah. It keeps it from, you know, developing tall. And in order to create a hurricane 600 miles wide at times, you need it to grow big and shear prevents those storms from growing big, essentially. Yeah. Makes sense? Yes. Okay. So I gave you the ingredients. Now here is... The recipe. Yes. So how do hurricanes develop? Uh, The recipe for hurricanes. Well, the first thing you need is, like I said, warm water. Warm air. Does it rise or sink, Katie? Hmm. Let's think about it. Hmm, Oh, hey. Come here, Grace. Come here. This is our intern, Grace. Say hi. Hello. (laughs) Grace is a meteorology intern at Texas A&M. Meteorology 101. Does warm air rise or sink? 
it rises. Yes. Yay. Way to go, Grace. Thank you. <laughs> warm air rises. So what happens when warm air rises over randomly over the ocean, particularly um, uh, at the convergence zone, the inter- intercontinental convergence zone, which is close to the equator, when that air uh, rises, it creates a vacuum in the middle and other air has to fill it, okay? That vacuum is quite literally low pressure, okay? That when the air is rising, it's a lower pressure than at the surface because that mm-hmm. air just left. Uh, and so then you have a low pressure system. And so meteorologists around the world during hurricane season watch for these sort of unorganized random thunderstorm low pressure systems that aren't those spinny kind of hurricanes that we're used to seeing right it starts off as a cluster of thunderstorms they maybe don't look like much if you see them on satellite they really don't and it's kind of even hard to distinguish them from other systems that are happening around visually Uh, so so that's the first step there eventually if you have all those ingredients that i mentioned the warm water the deep moisture and the light winds these storms are going to end up feeding themselves. And you'll start to get a spin because around an area of low pressure, the air moves cyclonically. In the northern hemisphere, that's counterclockwise, okay? So it's going to be moving around counterclockwise, and it continues to feed itself until you've got that characteristic eye in the middle. And if the the conditions are right enough, you're going to get stronger wind speeds up to 74 miles per hour to become a hurricane. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Is there anything I should add to that that you're thinking about? Um, No, I don't think so. I mean, you're the, sometimes we look for that development, you know, it could be in the Atlantic or in the, yes. So yes, Yes, exactly. Sometimes uh, I'm glad you mentioned that Katie, because we want to talk about Hurricanes don't just happen in the Atlantic, although in Texas, we really watch that um, specifically. Sometimes the Pacific to see if we'll get some clouds or some moisture from there, but generally the Atlantic. And in the Northern Hemisphere, hurricanes move counterclockwise, okay? In the Southern Hemisphere, hurricanes, or they call them cyclones, move clockwise. And that's a little confusing. It's from the Coriolis Force. We may do a whole podcast about something called the Coriolis Force. But essentially, because the Earth is rotating, you've got a counterclockwise spin in the northern hemisphere and clockwise spin in the southern hemisphere. Mm -hmm. In the Pacific, so areas like Japan or China or Indonesia, if there is a hurricane-type storm there, a big tropical storm that's stronger, they call those typhoons. Okay. But it's the same thing. It is the same exact thing as a hurricane. Yeah. They just call them typhoons. So a lot of times people will ask you and me, Katie, what's the difference between a hurricane and a typhoon and a cyclone? Nothing. It's literally just where it's happening exactly. on the planet. Exactly. Yeah. So cyclones, where do cyclones happen? Cyclones happen in the Indian Ocean. Uh, and so that would be areas on the eastern coast of Africa or on the western coast of uh, Australia. So those are cyclones. Another thing that I think is that because you saying cyclones made me think of this. When we, you know, talk talk about this season's hurricane outlook, the, Na- the National Weather Service and the National Hurricane Center will use language tropical cyclone outlook. Yes. And people are like, 
what cyclones i didn't think we got cyclones i thought that was a tornado or something like that so every tropical storm tropical depression hurricane is a tropical cyclone exactly they're just exclusively called cyclones in that part of the world in the indian ocean you're right yeah uh and then a lot of times people will ask too like okay so we've talked about the pacific in the northern hemisphere uh that is hurricanes the pacific off of the coast of uh asia is typhoons what about tropical cyclones near south america that actually hardly ever happens. So think about areas on the east coast of South America. Okay, so Brazil, okay. Mm -hmm. They hardly, very rarely ever get anything tropical in the form of cyclones because there's way too much wind shear there. So like I said, wind shear is the enemy of hurricanes or Mm -hmm. cyclone development. So they, they just don't get them. Now, it's interesting because over the last 10 or 15 years or so, there's been one or two that ended up developing uh, from Brazil. So there was a Hurricane Katarina that developed. I think that's what it is. Katarina that developed and actually became a Category 2 hurricane. Wow. So that was the only one ever recorded in modern history. Interesting. Which is crazy. And meanwhile, we get like a whole heck of a lot of them. I know. Um, So now that I talked about um, Category 2, Katarina, let's actually talk about categories of hurricanes, shall we? Okay. So there are five categories in hurricanes. Um, So let's talk about Category 1. This is when you have sustained winds of 74 to 95 miles per hour. Uh, This kind of a storm is very dangerous, and the winds will produce some damage. Well-constructed frame houses could have damage to the roof, shingles, vinyl sidings, and gutters. Large branches of trees will snap, and shallowly rooted trees may be toppled. Extensive damage to power lines and poles will probably result in power outages that could last a few to several days. That sounds pretty damaging, and that's Mm -hmm. just a Category 1. Okay. Category 2, 96 to 110 miles per hour. Extremely dangerous winds will cause extensive damage. Well-constructed framed houses uh, could sustain major roof and siding damages, and then many shallowly rooted trees will be snapped or uprooted. Near total power loss, total power loss is expected, with outages that could last from several days to weeks. Okay, so we went from hours to days to weeks. Category three, this is when we consider them major hurricanes, Mm -hmm. when they're category three and greater. 111 to 129 miles per hour, devastating wind damage will occur. And this is when you could have uh, electricity and water unavailable for several weeks uh, after the storm passes. Mm -hmm. So once it's category three, it really starts to affect the water supply. Um, Category four, 130 to 156, catastrophic damage will occur. Well-built framed homes can sustain severe damage with the loss of most of the roof and the structure of the exterior walls. Power outages will last weeks to months, and most of the area area will be uninhabitable for weeks or months. Wow. And we see this with, mm-hmm. with Category 4, Category 5 hurricanes. People can't get to their houses once they're destroyed or mm-hmm. get out of the area. There is absolutely no way that they can leave. So uh, finally, Category 5 is 150. 57 miles per hour or higher catastrophic damage will occur this is the absolutely 
worst thing possible. High percentages of framed homes will be destroyed with total roof failure and wall collapse. Fallen trees and power poles will isolate residential areas. So when you have those fallen trees and power poles over the roads, you can't leave. Everything is, Mm -hmm. you know, just just in uninhabitable for weeks or months. And and there is no category six. There's not really any talks of establishing a category six Mm-mm. because hurricanes can only be that strong. Right. You know, they can't, there's not going to be a hurricane with 400 mile per hour sustained winds. No. It's just not going to happen. Okay. 157 or greater is a category five hurricane. Something while we're talking about damage, so the scale, the Saffir-Simpson scale, that's what it's called, I forgot to say that, is made based on wind speed, Mm -hmm. which the wind is strongest near the eye of the hurricane, along those eye walls, Mm -hmm. okay, of the hurricane. That's when it's strongest. But a lot of the damage doesn't come from the wind, particularly. Mm-hmm. The majority of the damage actually comes from storm surge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Storm surge is essentially you've got this huge low pressure vacuum of a system that ends up sucking up the ocean and literally dumping it onto the onto mm-hmm. the land. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so for for miles ahead of the storm, you can have a water wall Uh, 12 to 15 feet high, that's storm surge. And in some cases, like with Hurricane Katrina in 2005, there was storm surge as high as nearly 30 feet. That is 30 feet of water that's just not moving. Like, it's just there, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a wall of water. And so that is where you get a ton of structural damage you get uh, you just it's unimaginable because it's not just for the small area where the wind speeds are the strongest um and the strongest part of the storm is where you get a combination of high winds and storm surge mm-hmm. and that happens to be in the front right part of the storm so if you're looking down from from radar space at the storm motion let's say it's heading north right into florida the top right part of that storm will be the strongest toward the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is just a very quick overview of what hurricanes are. Uh, again, the eye wall, which you'll hear, which is the part that surrounds the eye, is the strongest part. And inside the eye itself, it's eerily calm. It's mm-hmm. very calm. You can look up and see. Blue skies. Yeah. Because the storm itself is so strong that it creates a center of of low pressure that is just essentially a suction and doesn't allow for any kind of clouds to develop uh, vertically. Think of like when you're uh, like turn on a drain, Mm -hmm. okay, and you can see the drain swirling on down. That's exactly what the eye of the hurricane is. And so what's devastating is most people who decide to wait out a hurricane will go through the eye wall and be like, oh my gosh, everything is is going crazy. And then it gets quiet and they think it's safe to go outside, but they're actually in the middle of the eye. And then the, the, the other brunt of the eye wall comes on in. So hurricanes, very dangerous. One of uh, Mother Nature's strongest storms, there's even tornadoes inside of hurricanes. There's not really hail uh, because it's a tropical system rather than, you know, uh, over land. Mm-hmm. And once the hurricanes lose their source of warm water, they lose the life 
Okay, they pretty much die down. And that's why pretty much almost, you know, just a couple of hours after making landfall, a hurricane will weaken significantly. Yeah. Cool. Good overview. Yeah, there's so much, so much we could talk about. They, the way they move, you know, right before landfall, friction can, you know, cause the track mm-hmm. of the storm to move and change right at the last minute. It's just, they're fascinating, fascinating to study and watch. So what I'm going to do now is take you through some of the big hurricanes in history. Now, I've limited this to just the United States, um, but of course, each year we see typhoons and cyclones in other parts of the world that are devastating for those other countries as well. But we're going to keep this limited to the United States. And I'm going to start you off back in 1900 in Galveston, Texas. Galveston, oh Galveston. Yeah. This was, this is one I think everybody's heard about. Yeah. It's the great Galveston hurricane of 1900. This was in September of 1900. This was before we had the Weather Service, as we know it, established. The Weather Bureau had been established already and had employees, um, but we didn't have, of course, we didn't have satellites or anything like that. So we had no way to see these tropical systems coming. So um, that's part of the reason why this is the still the deadliest weather disaster in United States history. So the deadliest weather-related disaster. Um, So this storm, this hurricane, slammed Galveston Island, Texas, in September of 1900. Um, The storm surge that this hurricane produced was 15.7 feet of storm surge. Now, the highest elevation on Galveston Island at that time was 8.7 feet. So this was an example of storm surge being completely, completely devastating. That was the big issue. It caused... Six, they estimate between 6,000 and 8,000 deaths. Wow. So that's why this is still the deadliest disaster that we've seen. Winds were likely up to about 140 miles per hour, so that did also contribute to some structural damage. Um, The damage is estimated in 1900 at around $20 million, and that would equate to about $700 million today. Yeah. And looking at the modern Saffir Simpson scale, that would be about a category four hurricane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that, so that was before we had Saffir Simpson or anything like that. So that was one of the earliest examples of kind of modern time of like, we need to probably figure out a way to figure out when this is going to happen again. So that was a big deal. And all that information was from 1900storm.com. A website about it. Yeah, which is cool. So after the Galveston hurricane of 1900, hurricanes continued to be detected and impact land from 1919 to about 1944. Uh, This includes the Labor Day hurricane of 1935, which was a Category 5 storm at landfall and is still considered one of the strongest hurricanes that has impacted the United States to this day. Now, after the Labor Day hurricane of 35, that's when we started to name storms. Sarah, do you have some info about that? I do. You may have thought, oh, wow, Sarah didn't talk about the naming system. Well, here we go. I'm going to talk about it. Okay. Names for hurricanes are made, and cyclones, by the way, tropical cyclones, are made by the World Meteorological Organization. Okay. From 
this is a little sexist, okay? From 1953 to 1979, all hurricanes were named with female names, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> should I get on my high horse or should I like stay on the ground? Uh, no, I'll, I say get, giddy up. Get, giddy up, okay. So here's the thing. Yes, it was the times. I understand that. But it created kind of a um, atmosphere <laughs> of like sexism because mm-hmm. these uh, women's names were compared to storms. So they would be like, oh, yeah, Hurricane Birth is a bit tempestuous or she's flirting with the coastline. So that, those are phrases that weather people would use. Just like, okay. But women's organizations were like, hey, maybe we should also include men's names. Mm-hmm. And people were a little bit like, well, then they won't take it as seriously if it's a man's name. This was literally, this is from HistoryChannel.com. Okay. Oh my gosh. The, people were like, oh yeah, um, people aren't going to respond too well to Hurricane Michael rather than Hurricane um, Katrina. Okay. Well, no. They were about the same <laughs> in intensity, mm-hmm. okay? And it just doesn't make sense. So now they are all male and female names, and they are names that are common to that region. Mm-hmm. And they're put on a list for the Atlantic Basin, six lists that are rotated. So 2019's list will be used again in 2025. Uh, but if there are strong storms, like Harvey or Michael, mm-hmm. which they're those were devastating storms. Uh, those names will be retired and a different name will be uh, put in there alphabetically. So, ta-da. Hurricane Katie is more likely to happen than Hurricane Sarah. I don't think Katie's on the list. It's Kate. Well, yeah. Hurricane Kate is but. more likely than Hurricane Sarah because Kate comes before Sarah. So, the season has a, more of a chance yeah. to get to a K than it does to an S. And I, I read this earlier, too, if we go through all the names which would not be enjoyable because that means the season has been busy mm-hmm. then they start going by the greek alphabet which is what i believe they did in 2005 did we get there in 05 yeah i, I guess so i guess so but it's something alpha and then beta and then whatever comes next yeah i don't know okay yama no that's the last one. okay Interesting. So that's the names okay so insert names of storms Two of the first named hurricanes were Carol and Edna in 1954. Oh, Carol and Edna. Carol and Edna. I'm sorry Sounds if your name like is Carol. Sounds like a couple Edna, of golden gals. Well, you know what's so funny? These storms are mentioned together. I mean, they happened in the same year, but they also took very similar tracks. Interesting. They both formed in similar locations near the Mediterranean, the Bahamas. Um, I believe Carol formed closer to the Bahamas and Edna was a bit further south. But then they took almost identical tracks up the east coast of the United States. Uh, Carol hit Long Island, New York, and Edna hit Cape Cod. So similar areas were impacted in the same year by Carol and Edna. So those were two of our earliest named hurricanes. Uh, 1969, Hurricane Camille. This was in August of 1969. This is also a pretty uh, notorious storm, especially um, for residents of the Gulf Coast in Mississippi, because that's where Camille hit, hit the central Gulf Coast of Mississippi. In August, a minimum pressure here. Now, this is in inches, and I forgot to do the conversion from inches to millibars, but 26.84 inches, which um, 
I believe stands now as the second most intense hurricane on record in terms of pressure. So Camille was a big deal for the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Maximum winds were never known and will never be known because Camille knocked out all of the instruments making landfall. So there was never an accurate measurement of the maximum sustained winds from Camille. And Camille caused 256 deaths. Yikes. Which is a lot. That is a lot for a modern storm. Like, I can understand uh, 1900, all those uh, thousands of people dying, mm-hmm. but that's pretty interesting that that many people died from a more modern storm. Now, we definitely have more instruments and uh, more warning now, but that's mm-hmm. a lot. That's yeah. a lot. So, that was Camille in 1969. We're going to fast forward to 1992, the year of our birth. That is the year <laughs> of our birth. <laughs> Grace, when, what year were you born in? 99. Grace. 99. Cool. 99. Oh, now we're starting awesome. to feel old. Sorry. <laughs> Andrew was in 1992 in South Florida. Andrew actually went straight across South Florida and then curved up and then eventually, I believe, hit um, the Louisiana coast a few days later. So, so it, it was restrengthened. In, in, yeah, impacted two parts of the country. So it hit Flor- South Florida from the Atlantic, then went into the Gulf, got its act back together, and then hit the Louisiana coast in August of 1992. It was a Category 5 at landfall in South Florida. So that's why that's a big a big one for Florida residents. Um, I think when they were dealing with Michael this past year, which we'll talk about, it was some of the residents were trying, you know, or, the, or they would try to compare – a coming storm to Andrew and meteorologists there always say, you know, you can't do that. They're all, they're all going to be different. Infrastructure has changed and things like that. But Andrew is a big, a big storm for Florida residents. Um, it was the fourth lowest minimum pressure. This is also in inches, 27.23 inches. Maximum winds also unknown because the same thing with Camille, it wiped out all the instruments. So there was never a reliable max wind gust found um however a gust of 177 miles per hour was measured at a private home Yikes. near the near the national hurricane center in south florida that was the highest gust that was seen but there's no i guess no way to know for certain because so much of the instrumentation was destroyed 23 deaths caused by andrew in the united states and three in the bahamas because it did come up from the south so that's andrew okay 2005 katrina August 29th made landfall in South Louisiana, very close to the Louisiana-Mississippi state line. It was a Category 3 storm at landfall. So this was a beast in the Gulf barreling toward Louisiana-Mississippi. And it was a Category 5 at one time. And then it weakened as it approached land and made landfall as a Category 3, which I think is kind of shocking for people because it was so devastating Yeah, as far as the damage in dollars and even the deaths be going like, well it's just a category three but it's everything that happened after landfall the levees that were breached in new orleans you know that was a it was a whole other natural disaster caused by katrina which was its own natural disaster so um category three landfall 1200 deaths when all was said and done that's across louisiana and mississippi again that's a lot for a modern hurricane in united states and i didn't real i don't think i realized that when it was happening because i mean it was a big deal well and it's interesting that you bring that up because hurricane katrina is one of the things that i one of the first times i remember weather very vividly like mm-hmm. i mean there are things that you notice when you're a kid like snow or you know all those things 
But I just remember because we live in Texas, I mean, you lived in Houston Mm -hmm. and and we got a lot of the imports, (laughs) people who were refugees from uh, Hurricane Katrina. And I just remember things filling up and um, people, you know, being devastated and our economy, you know, just really being rough down there. Mm -hmm. And I remember that as a, what was I, 13, 13 year old. And I was like, wow, weather is crazy. Yeah. I remember the, you know, president flying over in the helicopter and you couldn't land anywhere because it was all water. Yeah. Because the levees broke. Crazy. $75 billion in damage in both Louisiana and Mississippi combined. So that makes it the costliest U.S. hurricane on record. Wow. Big part of that being the levee breach in New Orleans. Three years later, 2008, we had Hurricane Ike which again hit Galveston Island, Texas. They had a long time to recoup and get ready. And of course they had the elevated seawall in place in Galveston. Uh, But that was September 13th, 2008. Ike began as a tropical wave way out in the middle of the Atlantic. So what what you're talking about, it was just a little mess of thunderstorm activity that eventually organized because the right conditions were in place. Uh, That was back on August 28th. So August 28th, almost two weeks later, September 13th is when it made landfall. So we just watched this thing come from the Atlantic, go through the Mediterranean, get into the Gulf, and then it made it all the way to Texas. It caused damage and deaths not only in Texas uh, before it made landfall, but also in the Turks and Caicos Islands, Cuba, Haiti, and the Dominican Republic. So it did some damage often portions of the Mediterranean before it before it even got to Texas. Uh, it hit the Boulevard Peninsula of Texas. 20 were killed in southeast Texas, Louisiana, and even Arkansas because Ike, it, it hit the Galveston area where it made landfall and then it continued to move north and east and dumped flooding rains in parts of Louisiana and Arkansas. And people died from the flooding rains there. So $19.3 billion in damage from Ike in 2008. Uh, also in the southeast Texas area, this is uh, definitely fresh in the minds of many people, Hurricane Harvey mm-hmm. in 2017. This was late August through, I think technically it, it dissipated on September 1st of 2017. So we had it last few days of August through September 1st. Harvey was interesting because it was a was a very well-defined system. Uh, Harvey was rolling through the Caribbean, started to fall apart, and then went over the Yucatan Peninsula, which is very mountainous, and that can be the death of tropical systems. And that's what happened. Harvey died, in a sense. Um, and then it regenerated in the Bay of Bay of Campeche. Really rapidly. I remember watching this thing. It was not good. So I remember because, Sarah, this was you and I's first... And like so far, only tropical system to impact South, South Texas, South Central yes, yes, Texas. Yes, yes. And I remember Sunday night for the week ahead, toward the end of the week, models started to models started to bring all the leftover moisture from dead Harvey and bring it into South Central Texas. Yeah, so we had this storm that had died, but models are bringing all the moisture up the Gulf and to the Texas coast somewhere. But it wasn't, it was just the moisture. It was not a defined low pressure system. And it was hard to believe. Like, it was hard to believe that that would happen because the computer models say things that are wrong all the time. Yeah, and I I remember looking at that and looking back now, it's very eerie because it was there in the forecast. Parts of it 
I just didn't connect the dots and no one did. It was, you know, two days later where... None of the thousands of meteorologists did, so I think you're okay. No, I know, but it's just, it was crazy. So we had this leftover moisture and within a span of 24 hours, it started to, models started to show signs of it having life again and then rapid strengthening from absolutely nothing to a category four hurricane right before landfall by the end of the week, by Friday. So from Monday to Friday, we just sat and watched this monstrous storm develop and start to head right toward us. And it was, it's incredible to look back at. Mm-hmm. And we all know what Harvey did. Horrible damage. It the, the damage that happened down close to the Rockport, Texas area, which is where it made landfall, Rockport, Corpus Christi, that was bad in itself because they had to deal with storm surge and the wind damage. Then this system that's producing heavy rain stalls over southeast Texas, particularly the coastal bend area of Texas and then also closer to the Houston area, dropping at the at the most around 60 inches of rain in locations. That's five feet. Which you just, it doesn't matter where you are. There's no place on the planet, I don't, I don't think, that can take that in no. such a short period of time. Um, 68 deaths occurred in Texas due to flooding, and it's the second costliest hurricane behind Katrina. Yeah. So Katrina, the levees failing and all that, um, still the costliest, but Harvey is now the second costliest hurricane because in and around the Houston area, they had terrible flooding. Um, they had to release water from some of the reservoirs in the area, and that produced more flooding. Horrible. So again, what we're seeing is that hurricanes are damaging in and of itself. You get 170 mile per hour winds, sorry, you're gone, okay? Your house is gone. Everything's gone. Mm -hmm. But hurricanes also cause extensive damage secondarily. Secondarily. Mm -hmm. Like with the reservoirs being opened, the levees breaking, the sheer amount of rain that you see. Because Harvey was kind of half over the gulf and half over land, it was able to keep that fuel, that moisture fuel. Uh, And that's why we just saw so much devastating rainfall. My father's clinical office, you know, was underwater. He had to get a whole new office. They lost some um, patients, but thankfully they're okay and their house is fine and stuff like that. And you and I go to Houston all the time because our families are there Mm -hmm. and they are still recovering two years later it's crazy yep and it's the river flooding too and you say kind of the secondary effects I there's a a friend of my mom's that I'm friends with on Facebook and she has been affected by the flooding of one of the area rivers a few times now one of which in 2017 during Harvey and it's because all the water was you know coming into the river and it was trying to get out into the and so that river rose and it flooded the neighborhoods around the river and now if there's heavy rain in the forecast she will post the the river forecast yeah for that river on Facebook and start to freak out you know and get and get really scared and it all is stemming from that she's afraid that that's gonna Harvey's gonna happen again and it's it's yeah that's the, the all the lingering effects from from these storms crazy all right we'll wrap this up with two of the most recent hurricanes these were during the 2018 season and i think 2018 will be remembered for hurricanes florence and michael florence uh, affected a part of the carolinas from about september 12th through the 15th it made landfall on wrightsville beach on the 14th as just a category one and i shouldn't say just a category one but 
they were very closely watching um, the winds with this storm as it was approaching the Carolinas and and it weakened as it was approaching land. But the rainfall was still going to be very, very intense. So that's something that I think brought media broadcast media. What am I trying to say? Broadcast meteorologists in that area were struggling with trying to get people to still pay attention, even though the category was dropping. They were still trying to get them to realize, hey, this is going to be a ton of rain. There's going to be flooding. And that is what happened. It is the wettest tropical storm on record for the Carolinas or wettest tropical cyclone. So this is the storm that's brought them the most rain in in history. Uh, Rainfall totals ranged from two inches in places to almost 36 inches, um, 35.93 inches of rain in Elizabethtown, North Carolina. Wild. Is that the same Elizabethtown that is in that movie with Orlando Bloom and Kirsten Dunst? I don't know, but we can we can assume yes, just for historical I'm context. glad that Orlando Bloom and Kirsten I Dunst know. are okay. I know. And Florence caused 53 fatalities. Oh my goodness. So... Yeah, Florence uh, Florence was devastating for the Carolinas. Later in the season, October 10th, Hurricane Michael made landfall in the Florida Panhandle at Mexico Beach, Florida. It uh, found, At the time, they believed Michael was a high-end Category 4 hurricane, but it came out months later. Just recently. Is it March? Yeah. Yes, it was March. Um, the National Hurricane Center in NOAA put out a release that said after going back and looking through all different types of data, um, they were able to determine that Michael was actually a Category 5 at landfall because 160-mile-per-hour winds were measured as Michael was making landfall. the threshold is 157 or greater is a Category 5. Yeah, so it was there. Um, That that was months after the fact. Uh, That made Michael the first landfalling Category 5 hurricane in the United States since Andrew in 1992. So Crazy. it had been, it, yeah, had been, been a a very, it had been a very long time. Uh, that was the strongest landfalling hurricane for the Florida Panhandle ever. 16 deaths from Michael and $25 billion Holy in damage. Cow. Crazy. Yeah. So those are kind of the most recent ones. We've 2019 season is starting soon. Yeah. And I see that you've got the names of the 2019 potential hurricanes or tropical storms. Yeah. So by the way, in order to get a name, A storm does not have to be a hurricane. Right. A storm can just simply be a tropical storm, which means that its winds are less than 74 miles per hour and greater than 39 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'll hear us talk about tropical depression, number five or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then once it reaches that threshold, we'll we'll give it a name. And so what would the names be? (laughs) You ready for this? There's some good names this year. Andrea... It's actually Andrea. Are, are you we just serious? Yeah, we just looked it up. It's Andrea. I'm done. It's okay. You don't need to be done. I I'm just done. looked it up. It's Andrea. How do we know? Because I went to the National Weather Service pronunciation. Andrea. Where's my list? Andrea, Barry, Chantal, or is it Chantal? It's I don't Chantal. know. It's Chantal. It's Chantal. You're going to be oh, mad at the, the one that starts with an F. I don't. Okay. What's D? I don't know. No, Dor- do it. Dorian. Dorian is right. <laughs> Aaron. Aaron. Fern- Fernand. Listen, I looked it up on the National Weather Service. It is pronounced fair non. For non. Like there's no date. Fair non. Fair non. So I think it's maybe like Francais. Fair non. 
I don't know. That one. Sorry about that. Gabrielle. Okay. Umberto. I know the H is silent. And it's Umberto. actually Umberto. Are you serious? I'm not. I'm just. I'm being serious. I'm done. Here, no, you do the rest. No, this is going to be great. Keep on going. I'm, I, no, I, well, I don't know this one. Imelda. I-M-E-L-D-A. Imelda. I think it's Imelda. Yeah. What about this one? It's, is it Jerry? It's Jerry. Why don't we just all say them with French accents? Jerry, Karen. 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 Lorenzo. Cool. Melissa. Nestor. 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 Olga. Olga. <laughs> Pablo. Rebecca. Rebecca spelled R-E-B-E-K-A-H. Oh, that's biblical. So sorry if you have Rebecca with the C's. Sebastian. Rebecca with the C's. Tanya. Van, which I love. Van is awesome because we know a van. <laughs> we know a van. And, and then when in the pronunciation, everything was like, blah, 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 van. <laughs> like Van like, and Wendy to finish it out. There we go. Interesting. I'm going to forget how to say all of those. On, on Andrea. Andrea. I don't know why I want to say Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, everybody have fun with the Fair names none. this year. I hope your name made the list yeah. and that they all stay out and just mess with the fishies. I hope that too. Yeah. Okay, meteorologist Katie Blake. <laughs> is there anything you want to talk about to close out our podcast? Ooh. Is there? Um, a weird thing that someone is doing on my Facebook, they're taking my... On my professional Facebook pages, they're taking my picture and making it their profile picture. <laughs> and it's really annoying and Ow. I don't like it. So can you please stop? I know what his name is. I won't say it. But sorry, if by chance you're listening, can you stop? And can no one do that in the future? Because it's weird. That's all. It's a little weird. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything I should talk about. So we got this like 3D graphics system um, and it is so fun to use because I get to use it for like explainers. So I have a 3D explainer on how hurricanes form that we'll try to figure out how to put on our Instagram. Uh, and so that's fun. And it's also fun to mess with because it just is another way to explain things to people. It's which very I like. cool. Yeah. I recently did one about the aquifer, which was fun. Uh, and interesting. Um, so, you know, thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. If you haven't already, we'd really appreciate if you could like review and rate us and subscribe to our podcast. That is, would be amazing. So that's going to be our request. Please, please, please. We like y'all a lot and we hope you like us. So that would show us that. <laughs> and if you're on Instagram, we have an Instagram page for the podcast. It's at whatever the weather pod can't miss it so you can follow there because each week we post photos and visual stuff to go along with that week's podcast so you can use that as a reference it's also a place where you can let us know topics you'd like us to explain or discuss in the future and we do all the cool instagram stuff on on there on the gram we do on yeah. the gram and remember to weather, weather the weather whatever the weather, weather.